family. Thank you so much, Kali uh, and Obey, and Wilbert. Uh, it's time to worship the Lord in listening and learning from his word. And our lesson today will come from the Gospel of John, uh, the very first chapter. John chapter 1. <clears throat> We're going to read from verse 19 to verse 30. However, our key verse, or the, or the text really for the day, will be uh, verse 29. If you found it, it reads thus. Verse 19. And this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then are you? Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who send us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I'm the voice of one crying out from the wilderness, out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Then why are you baptizing, if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the straps of, of whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. And that's our text following. The next day, he saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. Um, Heavenly Father and mighty Lord, May you help us look into your word as we gaze upon Christ, 
the lamp that you provided to us, the world. I pray, O oh God, that you help us and you help me in particular to, to stay true to your word. As I speak, O oh God, I pray that your word should not return to you without accomplishing its purposes in our lives. That when all is said and done, O oh God, the praise and the honor should be unto you. We pray this in your name. And the church said, Amen. I take it this is a very familiar uh, chapter that some of us can even recite uh, by, by, by head. It captures in one verse of chapter 1, verse 29, the whole purpose of Christ's coming, who this Christ is, and why did he come into our, our world. So as you might guess, I have titled the message today, or rather our study today, Behold the Lamb of God. And as stated already, our key verse is verse 29 that says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now, Bible scholars do tell us that uh, the different gospel writers were focusing in a particular portrait of Christ, and we are told that uh, when it comes to the Gospel of John, John wanted to show the deity of Christ, that Christ is God-man, Christ is actually God. So the Gospel of John does not only affirm him as the Son of God, but most significantly, it affirms him as God himself. When we look at the beginning of the chapter, John starts his uh, gospel at the beginning. He says, at the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And in fact, this word was not only there in the beginning, but it's not only with God, this word was God. We'll also learn in the same chapter when we get to verse 14 that he goes on to say this word became incarnate, it became flesh. God came into the human form and came to minister to us, lived in and amongst his people, blameless and sinless, spotless, and became the Lamb of God that was to take away the sin of the world. And as we know the story of uh, the gospel, he indeed goes to the cross and saves me and you and everyone who dares to trust in his name. So today we pick up where the Pharisees sent priests and Levites to John 
to ask if he was the Christ, because you know there's been prophecies and the Jews were expecting the Messiah to come and John had made a name for himself. And even got the attention of uh, the Pharisees in Jerusalem who went all the way to Bethany and to inquire if this is really the Christ. Because they had known that the Christ will baptize. What we also learn is that John doesn't take the glory of Christ, even though he baptizes. He puts Christ in his rightful place. He says, I am not he, but there's one you do not know that is amongst you, whose strap of his sandals I can't even untie. He will come. He will baptize, but he will baptize in the spirit. And, and as God's provision would, would have it, in the next day, says our text in verse 29, John sees Christ coming towards him, and he exclaims, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He says to the, his disciples, he says to the new ones he's just uh, baptized, stop wondering, I am not he. If you are wondering that I'm Christ, here is he. Look at him, look up to him, look intently on him, take a gaze at him. He will not only baptize you with the Holy Spirit, with, with, with water like I, John, baptize you, he will also baptize you in the spirit and even take your sins away. Do not look for the Messiah from me. Look to him. He is the Lamb of God. It is interesting that in the times that we, we live in, we have... Uh, people and ministers of the word who have took the glory upon themselves, who are the ones who are men of God, who are doing the miracles and making the prophecies and fulfilling them at the same time. But here John says, points him to the right owner of the glory, our Lord Jesus Christ, who takes away the sin of the, of the world. There are three lessons that I want us to, 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 to observe today. And the first one would be that Christ is the hope of the world. As you might have uh, realized that John was as famous as our tele-evangelists today, 
He was able to attract people from over long distances. He had made a name for himself. But however, when the Pharisees come, what is also important is to say the, the Pharisees could not just dismiss him. This guy came from the wilderness in the first place. He was eating funny food and wearing funny attire. Why bother? But with all the accolades, John wasn't tempted to take the glory for himself. Just a day after he points his disciples to one who was before him, he points them to the world that was in the beginning. He points them to the world which is God. He points them to the world that became flesh. He points them to the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Today, John points me and you to the one and only Christ, and maybe like the Pharisees of old and the Jews, you have questions about this Jesus. Maybe you are uncertain about the deity of Jesus Christ. You are not sure who you are in Christ, or perhaps you are not sure if you are even in Christ, whatever the circumstances that may have cast doubt on your faith, maybe you are even discouraged, maybe you have never bowed the knee and put your faith in Jesus. John says, don't look at me. Look at Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Often when things go wrong in our lives, we, we tend to, to look around. And sometimes we, we look away uh, from the Lord and, 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 and look uh, at ourselves. We all are all familiar with the story of Job and his, his wife. Sorry. We are very much familiar with the story of John, his wife and his uh, 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 friends, who said that there must be something wrong with you, Job. It is something that you, you, you have done. You are right to be despondent. You are right to be depressed. Curse God and die. But John says, do not look at yourself, do not look at your circumstances, look to Jesus. Take your eyes away from me, take them away from your good works, take away from your religious practices, take away from everything that you might have been doing to end the favor of God and look to Jesus. When we look at the same chapter in verse 36, John will repeat the same thing that he said in verse uh, 29. Behold the Lamb of God. It says it was the next day, I don't know, maybe it was the next day for the fourth time in this passage, but it was the next day and the, the Lord is 
coming in the vicinity of John's ministry, and he's there with his disciples, and he exclaims again, Behold the Lamb of God. Once you look intently on the Lord, once you look intently on the Messiah and the Savior that takes the sin of the world, it is something that will affect you for the rest of your life. It is something that you will want to speak about at all times. And John was no different. He says, behold, the Lamb of God. Unfortunately for John, the Armas Capsule, he loses two of his disciples to, to Jesus Christ. They look at him, that you are saying this man is the Lamb of God and you've never claimed the same for yourself. We are leaving you. But that is what the ministry of John was about. It was to point people to Christ. It was to get people not to follow him because he, he, he never said anything about uh, 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 saving people from sins. He just said, I baptize you uh, uh, for, into repentance. Make your way straight. But there's one who is greater than me. There's one who was before me. There's one who was at the beginning. There was one who is God who became flesh. So they leave him and they follow Christ. And it is my prayer today, uh, brethren, that as John points his disciples to Christ, it may be our testimony too, that our lives, our deeds, our, our words, our conduct point people to Christ. Sometimes our testimonies are crooked. We, we point people to ourselves. We point people to the church that we, we attend. We, we point people to uh, the kind of practices that we keep as good Christians. But John doesn't do that. He says, behold, the Lamb of God. And he releases his disciples. He doesn't hold on to them. He allows them to follow Jesus. May our actions and our daily lives not hold people back from following Jesus, but allow them to see him exactly as he is and believe him for what he has done. Now, our second point is that Christ is a sacrifice. And before we go into that, I would like us to read from uh, the book of Isaiah. It's a prophecy that was done about 700 years, we are told, before the ministry of John. There's no way Isaiah could have heard in the news and read between the lines like one prophet did before the elections of uh, the United States of America last year. It was 700 years in between.
Uh, we read from chapter 4. So surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God. He takes away the sins of the world. Referring to the whole of chapter 53, John MacArthur says, he says that this text is, the criti is, is very critical because it answers the most crucial question. And the question is, how can a sinner be made right with God so to escape eternal hell and enter eternal heaven? He says the question is not health, the question is not education, the question is not science, it is not philosophy, it is not even politics. How does a sinner enter eternal heaven and escape eternal hell? The ministry of John the Baptist captured the prophet Isaiah's uh, prophecy already. It says exactly in clear and certain terms that Christ will be killed like a sacrificial lamb to bore our sins. When we look at verse 11 that we didn't read, he says, he shall bear their iniquities, and that is the reason our Lord came. I want to agree with MacArthur that if he had come that we may be rich and wealthy, we would be. If he had come that we may be healthy at all times, we would be. If he had come so that he can be a politician, Christians would be ruling the world. However, he came to take away the sin of the world. Christ 
is the Lamb of God. He is the perfect sacrifice, born through divine means, born by a Virgin Mary, like the sheep that was slaughtered each and every day and every evening in Israel for the atonement of sin, he is spotless. When you read in Leviticus, it says that sheep must be spotless and without blemish. And as we know that we inherit the sin of Adam through our natural birth, Christ didn't because he was born of the Holy Spirit and was spotless. He is the spotless Lamb of God. He does have the power to take the sins of the world. Now, when I grew up, uh, we used to do like Graham and uh, what's your daughter who's not here and visit many churches. And I remember uh, being in one uh, service in a particular church uh, back at home in Stillfontaine, and the preacher looked at the lady who was apparently infected with HIV, and he said, I forgive your sins. Only Christ can forgive our sins. It is then incumbent on us that we accept and embrace the forgiveness that we receive through Jesus Christ, the only one and true Lamb of God. It is easy. You, have to, you do not have to uh, carry out any expensive ritual. You don't even need a lamp anymore because he's been the lamp for all and for all ages. It is important to, to realize that the rumors that we have and the challenges that we have against our faith all over the world do not start now. But John today gives us a, an assurance <coughs> that Christ is indeed the Lamb. When he was crucified, there were two gentlemen on the left, one on the left and one on the right. And in fact, even before he got there, uh, they were mocking him, slapping him, and asking him to prophesy who, who slapped him. And then it goes to the cross where they say, hey, you've saved others, save yourself. And the mistake that these people do is to not know that it is by staying on the cross that Christ proves to me 
and to you that is indeed the Lamb of God who've come to take away the sins of the world. Isaiah said it 700 years before this instance. Christ came to take away the sins of the world. May, may the Lord help us to emulate him, to be like him, not to cling to the things that he came to take away, but to forsake them, to sever all ties with our sinful tendencies, with our own self-righteousness, with our own impatience with ourselves, our fellow Christians, and each and everyone that perhaps uh, we are dealing with. I remember in the past, uh, I used to have some gentlemen neighboring next door to my house, foreigners who were busy with some horrendous acts. And, and I still remember the other time Pastor Michael visited us. And he realized what is happening next door and we filled him in what else happens there, the kind of life that we are living and how indignant we are. And, and he looked at us and said, maybe they came here on purpose that you guys may point them to the Lord. I, I didn't want to point them to the Lord. For me, I had enjoyed the fact that they will go to hell, they will get their judgment, God will bring them to book because the laws and the justice of this world is perverted and corrupted and doesn't bring them to book. That was me and my self-righteousness. I guess I'm not the only one. A certain gentleman was asked to go somewhere else and he went somewhere else and ended up in a belly of the whale. May the Lord help us, brothers and sisters, to embrace Christ, to embrace his forgiveness, to realize that he has the power to take the, our sins away. We sing together in my hands, uh, I don't know why time you cut it, in my hands, no price I bring, simply to the cross I cling. May we not cling to what Christ has come to take away, but cling to Christ himself, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And now when you look at the tense that is used in our text. It doesn't say he will take away. It doesn't say he has taken away. It says he takes away the sins of the world. And that's the ob last observation that we make today, that Jesus Christ continually washes us 
from our sins or washes our sins away. And what we also see in this phrase is that unlike the sacrifices of old of the Jews that only had to do with Jewish customs and, and saving the Israelites, the Lamb of God doesn't take the sin from Israel alone. He takes the sin away from the whole world. I can't imagine how huge the sin of the world must be. In my only lifetime, I hear of two world wars where people were massacred by other people. We've seen in a lifetime the Gulf War, uh, and up in the Middle East. You look at our streets at night, you see the sin alive and kicking. Some of the sins of the world that we hear about, we even tremble. We can't imagine how does that happen. A school child sleeps in a toilet and steps and kills another school child, a little one, Nohang. I don't know how to count that far. Maybe it's billions or trillions or trillions of trillions of sins of the world. If Christ can forgive, if Christ can take away the sin of the world, he can take away your sin. We are not perfect. We cannot live in doubt and in guilt when Christ has taken the sin of so many. Hitler. Who else? Idi Amin. But of course, this is not a universal taking away of sin as others want to point out that Christ has died, last sacrifice for sin, everyone is a child of God, we are going to heaven. No, you still have to look at Jesus. You still have to accept him as your Lord and Savior. You still have to put your faith in him and be a child of God. Yes, all the sins he can take away but only if you act in faith. First John chapter 2, verse 2 says, he, He's the pro 
propitiation of our sin and the sins of the whole world. It is John again in his epistle repeating the same notion. He who was no sin, who knew no sin, was made sin, became a substitute, he became sin, we have no sin. Only if we can look at him for salvation today. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Our God, we want to thank you for your lamb that has done a work in the days of old, but the very same blood still saves us today. We want to pray that even as we live today, we may take for ourselves the righteousness that is bestowed upon us by Christ taking our sinfulness, that we may live for you in exactly the same way he has fashioned for us. We pray all this in your name. Amen.